Well, it's my delight to talk with you today more about the new covenant and the new covenant of the Spirit. In fact, I've entitled this uh, brief little discourse, Embracing the New Covenant of the Spirit. Embracing the New Covenant of the Spirit. And I've taken as my text 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. So let me begin then by reading that text. Um, let's see. I think what we'll do is we will start within the context. Isn't that a concept? <laughs> Isn't that a concept that they would, we would actually read a passage of Scripture and read it within its context? But that said, let's do that. We'll begin actually at chapter 2 of Second Corinthians, beginning with verse 12. Paul says, Now when I went to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ, and found that the Lord had opened the door for me, I still had no peace of mind, because I did not find my brother Titus there. So I said goodbye to them and went on to Macedonia. But thanks be to God, who always leads us as captives in Christ's triumphal procession, and uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. To the one, we are an aroma that brings death. To the other, an aroma that brings life. And who is equal to such a task? Unlike so many... We do not peddle the word of God for profit. On the contrary, in Christ we speak before God with sincerity as those sent from God. Are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Or do we need, like some people, letters of recommendation to you or from you? You yourselves are our letter, written on our hearts, known and read by everyone. You show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Such confidence we have through Christ before God. Not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. He has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. End quote. Well, may the Lord add his blessing to this reading of his fully inspired and holy and inerrant word. Amen. So early into his second letter to the Corinthians, the Apostle Paul defines he and his associates as, quote, ministers of a new covenant of the Spirit. Not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Now this definition has the same meaning as what we would refer to simply as Paul and his associates being ministers of the gospel, 
their interchangeable terms. So for you and I to say that we preach the gospel means as individuals and as a church we participate in the apostolic ministry of the new covenant of the Spirit. Now, why is this important? It is important because it is only by the ministry of the Holy Spirit that we begin the Christian life and then mature into the glorious image of Christ. And the new covenant is by definition the new covenant of the Spirit. We see that in Jeremiah 31, 31 through 33, and Ezekiel 36, 24 through 27. Just two references there. So what is more, Jesus himself is the new covenant. The new covenant is not on tablets of stone or written on paper, not with ink, he says, but with uh, the spirit of the living God. And Jesus, it says in the prophecies in Isaiah 42, 6, 7, and 49, 8, is himself the covenant that God promised to make with his people. Luke 2.32 confirms this. Acts 13.47 confirms this. What is more, this is our Lord's meaning when on the night he was betrayed, he told his disciples, quote, This cup is a new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. That's Luke 22.20. The new covenant was consecrated, therefore, not by the sprinkling of blood, the blood of goats and bulls, as was the old covenant, but by his own blood at the cross. The fact that it is consecrated by Christ's blood makes the new covenant precious to all believers and the source of power for the Christian life in that it was the new covenant that was affirmed once consecrated at the cross. The new covenant was affirmed and empowered by the outpouring of the Spirit at Pentecost. The new covenant is therefore the fulfillment of all previous biblical covenants. Now, in addressing his readers in our text, Paul also defines a second, even more popular ministry, much more popular ministry, and that is the ministry of the letter that kills. You see, only the Spirit gives life. The letter without the Spirit, can only bring death. Even the letter of the law itself can only bring death. And then later in this letter, Paul reveals, reveals this ministry of the letter as that of his opponents at Corinth, those whom he refers to as, quote, the super-apostles. I think the New American Standard would probably refer to this them as the most eminent apostles. But the literal meaning is super apostles. And there's a hint of sarcasm there. That's 2 Corinthians 11, 5, 12, 11. 
in both the NIV and the ESV. Now, the apostle then goes on to expose these super apostles as those who shockingly preach, make note of it here, a Jesus other than the Jesus we preached, or if you receive a different spirit from the spirit you received, he tells them, or a different gospel from the one you accepted, he tells the Corinthians, you put up with it easily enough. Now let that sink in for a moment. These super apostles were preaching another Jesus, operating under a different spirit, and preaching a different gospel than that of the of Paul and his apostolic uh, companions. This is stunning language. So there is the ministry of the new covenant of the Spirit, and then there is the ministry of the super apostles. And the Corinthians are in danger of falling prey, then, to the greatest of Satan's schemes, and that is a counterfeit Jesus, a counterfeit spirit, and a counterfeit gospel. And the Corinthians, like so many believers today, put up with this easily enough. Try to imagine Paul's position here in this letter to the second Corinthians, to the, the second letter, excuse me, to the Corinthians. Why do most Christians put up with this stunning spiritual deceit then and today? It is because they simply are not taught any different. The prophet Hosea cried out once, My people are destroyed from lack of knowledge. That's Hosea 4.6, by the way. And what's more, these men, these super-apostles, do not appear as horned devils, but as ministers of righteousness, well-credentialed, eloquent, and worldly-wise. At 2 Corinthians 2, 5-11, Paul writes of the necessity of the Corinthians to forgive and reaffirm their love for a man who had undergone church discipline. In order, he says, quote, that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes, quote, end quote. The image of Christ within the church is made evident by love for one another. And it is one of Satan's greatest schemes, therefore, to advance a counterfeit gospel that redefines, alters, and perverts the ministry of the new covenant of the Spirit. It is the ministry of the Spirit that produces a list of what Paul refers to in Galatians as the fruit of the Spirit, with love leading the list. It is Satan's scheme, therefore, to subvert the ministry of the new covenant of the Spirit and pass off another gospel. I would dare say that this is Satan's most and greatest scheme and most common scheme. 
And here is the effect of that satanic scheme. A counterfeit gospel cannot facilitate ever-increasing conformity to Christ in the believer. Only the ministry of the new covenant of the Spirit, mark, mark it down, write it down, highlight it, only the ministry of the new covenant of the Spirit will bring about what Paul describes as, quote, being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. 2 Corinthians 4, 18. Transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. End quote. So we can say it this way. We can issue our warning this way. Any ministry, theological system, or Christian leader who redefines, alters, or altogether dismisses the new covenant is operating not as Paul did by the Spirit, but by another spirit which cannot be from God. Now, this is a very sobering reality. For there are those today who do precisely that. In fact, they make up probably 90% of Protestant evangelical teaching. They teach that the New Covenant doesn't belong to the church, but to national Israel and some future millennial kingdom. Yes, you, 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 you just heard me correctly. And then there are others who also redefine the new covenant as simply an administration of a fabricated, quote, covenant of grace, end quote. Consequently, they fail to see the outpouring of the Spirit at Pentecost as the birth of the church under a new covenant in Christ, a covenant he consecrated in his own blood. For them, the church began with Adam, and then the elect throughout redemptive history have been under their covenant of grace, which is a term for a covenant that they fabricated and simply imposed upon the text of Scripture to make it fit within their system. Now, this is nothing new, beloved. This is, shouldn't be shocking to us as being something new. It's, it's a continuation of everything that has happened throughout redemptive history. There have always been false teachings. There's always been false prophets. There have always been the Pharisees themselves had set up a whole tradition, whole structure of religious teaching based upon human tradition that they imposed upon the text of Scripture and upon the law itself. They claim to be disciples of Moses, but Jesus says in John chapter 5 that they didn't even really believe Moses. He says in John chapter 5, verse 45, But do not think I'll accuse you before the Father. He's speaking to the Pharisees. Your accuser is Moses, on whom you, your hopes are set. 
If you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. See, everything throughout Scripture points to Jesus. But since you do not believe what he wrote, how are you going to believe what I say? End quote. So there are two dominant systems within Protestant evangelicalism, both of which either alter, pervert, twist, or altogether dismiss the new covenant for the church. The very ministry, the very ministry that Paul says defines his ministry. Our text tells us he says he is a minister of the new covenant of the Spirit. So why do people do this? The Apostle exposes the underlying influence to his opponents in his day to be none other than Satan himself, the one who, quote, appears as an angel of light. And Satan does so through human agency, those in his service, even though those men represent themselves as, quote, servants of Christ. 2 Corinthians 11, 12 through 15 and 23. Now, this, beloved in Christ, means that our time demands, our times demand sober minds and serious discernment. For here is the sobering point. Please pay close attention. Most of what passes as Christian ministry in America has far more in common with the super-apostles of Paul's day than they do with Paul and his associates. Paul refers to his opponents as, quote, the many who peddle the word of God for profit. Chapter 2, verse 17. As ministers of the letter. Chapter 3, verse 6. As those who, quote, employ secret and shameful ways, deception, those who, quote, distort the word of God, chapter 4, verses 1 through 2. Now, as we continue in our study of 2 Corinthians, we will meet these men over and over again. We also meet them throughout the New Testament, in Galatians and other parts of the New Testament as well. Thessalonians, they have their influence in Revelation, the seven churches of Revelation, Revelation 2 and 3. So we will encounter these men. The Pharisees, a lot of the Pharisees, a lot of the Pharisaical community that opposed and actually murdered Jesus, later signed up to be Christians under the guise of being Christians and then opposed and sought to kill the apostles. It's a scheme. It's a satanic scheme. And in our day, we are not without that same scheme. The problem is, in our day, we oftentimes are unaware of Satan's schemes. We know that he has them. We know that Satan is alive and well on planet Earth, as the old book said. But we don't know what his schemes are. And so what we're discovering here is a couple of glorious and wondrous 
joyful points, and that is that we are being conformed into the ever-increasing conformity to the image of the glorious image of Jesus Christ through the ministry of the Spirit under the new covenant. We are becoming more like Jesus every day. And then we're also discovering that Satan has his little scheme going to present a different Jesus, a different spirit, a different gospel that perverts, twists, or altogether dismisses the new covenant. And therefore, our access to that transformation. Oh, we'll look like Christians. We'll talk like Christians. We'll attend church. We'll carry a Bible. We might even go on to seminary and be credentialed to continue to espouse these lies. But it's as simple as this. Any ministry that does not actively facilitate you into the image of Christ is not a Christian ministry. And as we go throughout this letter of 2 Corinthians, if you stick with me and you continue with me, you will see over and over and over again the contrast between what is the true apostolic ministry of Paul and his associates and what is most likely very similar and familiar to us today in the ministry of the super-apostles. And if you are able to grasp that, if you're able to grasp that distinction, you will increase dramatically in your discernment. It will immediately explain a lot for you as to what's going on in the church in America. And you can free yourself. You can, you can renounce it. You can do as Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4.2, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. Because every Christian within the sound of my voice who is um, actively involved in a church today is either involved under the ministry of the new covenant of the Spirit or a modern super-apostle who alters, redefines, twists, or perverts, or altogether dismisses that new covenant. Now, I'm not saying that modern super-apostles are consciously aware of the satanic scheme that they are participating in. Some may be aware, and they will meet the, the end of their conduct deserves. They will meet their end, and it will be an end that their conduct deserves. But most of those today who oppose the new covenant of the Spirit do so unwittingly. They are merely teaching what they were taught. They have not bothered to search the scriptures for themselves and put their tradition or the system to the test. But ignorance does not relieve anyone of accountability to that truth. So they too will be held accountable for their teaching. So let's be clear. What I want for you is to taste and participate in and be, be fully engaged with the glorious ministry of the new covenant that, that transforms you into the glorious image of Christ with ever-increasing glory so that you're becoming more like him every day. 
I told a friend yesterday, I'm aware that what gets me up in the morning and gives me a, a framework for living is the fact that God is at work within me, conforming me into the image of his son, so that I'm more like Jesus than I was yesterday, just not as much as I will be tomorrow. But it's Satan's chief scheme, and I have suffered from that scheme at times in my Christian life, at the hands of those who subvert that ministry of Paul, that ministry of the gospel, in favor of some other scheme, some other tradition, some other system that calls itself Christian, but didn't facilitate the conformity to Christ for anyone. See, Satan was a liar from the beginning, and today he remains a seducer and a counterfeiter. Satan did not retire a couple hundred years ago or even 500 years ago. He, he's still around. He's hanging out. He's still doing the same thing. He's still opposing the ministry of the new covenant of the Spirit, just as he did for, under Paul's ministry. Satan hangs out in the best evangelical seminaries and churches, and therefore in many Christian homes and marriages. Anyone, anywhere who alters, redefines, or altogether dismisses the ministry of the new covenant of the Spirit has fallen prey to Satan's grandest scheme. So, how can you know if you are under the influence of a modern super-apostle? Someone who would have opposed Paul in his day. Well, it's a simple test, and here it is. How do your pastor and leaders view the New Covenant? Simple as that. How do your pastor and leaders view the New Covenant? I've already told you how 90% of Protestant evangelicalism does so within the two leading most popular theological systems. So you just have to ask your teachers, how do you view the new covenant? And it's likely you're either going to hear one of two things. Well, we don't think it's for the church. We think it's for Israel in the, in the future millennium. Or we, really, we think it's for the church, but it's primarily for Israel. Or it's just really a, a, the latest administration of the covenant of grace, which is the greater covenant. If you get responses like that, you're in trouble. Why are you in trouble? Because you believe differently? No. This is not a, a, a disagreement upon a non-essential. This is not a, a situation where you uh, can stay in fellowship with someone who d teaches otherwise. I mean, if somebody said, we don't preach the gospel here at um, Victory Chapel... Would you stay there? Would you continue in fellowship someplace where they finally just admitted that they don't preach the gospel? Of course you wouldn't. So there are two predominant systems within Protestant evangelicalism. I'm not the one who's just saying it. I mean, there, if you... 
There are a lot of good men with whom I'm not even worthy to stand in their shadow. Men like Steve Wellam and Peter Gentry and Thomas Schreiner and Gordon Fee and, and so many others who have done such good work on this point. Um, I was looking for the other. There are men within who've written wonderful commentaries. George Guthrie, for example, has written a wonderful commentary. And they've done good work on this point. They pointed out that any ministry, any system, any teaching that alters or perverts or altogether dismisses the new covenant has is in serious error, at least, but is heretical at worst. And what it costs you is the joy and the delight of knowing that you're being conformed into the image of Christ. So just ask your teacher, your pastor, how do you view, view the new covenant? And if it's according to one of these two systems, you will know you must have either object and appeal for them to repent and embrace the ministry of the new covenant of the Spirit, or you must leave that church. This brief lesson I'm giving you today here is designed to liberate you, equip you, and, and strengthen you, and edify you in the truth. This brief lesson leaves us in need to become biblical Christians, those who heed the Reformation principle, by the way, of a church that's both reformed and always reforming. Semper reformanda in the Latin. In order to become better aligned with the inspired text. Because as I'm saying, every generation will be tempted to yield to the traditions of men and put those over and above the text of Scripture itself. That's, a, that's commonly understood among all believers. So let's become willing to examine our system, our tradition, and our current ministry as to whether it is found within the context of Scripture and not just proofreading in order to support our system. And once convinced of what Paul is telling us in this text, our obligation will be then to contend for the truth, but to follow Paul's instruction in doing so. So let me just close with that instruction. Paul tells Timothy in 2 Timothy 2, 24-26, And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. Opponents must be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth, and that they will come to their senses and escape the trap of the devil, who has taken them captive to do his will. End quote. Second Timothy 2, 24-26 So we're not to be quarrelsome or unkind. We're not to be resentful. We want to be well-equipped and well-informed so we can teach and we can instruct 
and we must do it with gentleness, and we must do that prayerfully that God will grant them repentance just as he's granted us. These are things that I have come to. I came from a Pentecostal background that, with a very strong dispensational eschatology that had all the rapture and the, and the emphasis on Israel and all the dispensational things that go on with it. Most Pentecostal churches are dispensational in their eschatology. And that bleeds back into their soteriology, and it just gets to be a downhill slope. So, we, you, I, are now aware of one of Satan's chief schemes. And what is that? It's to advance a gospel that alters, redefines, or altogether dismisses the new covenant of the Spirit in favor of worldly wisdom and emphasis on the letter of the Bible and not the voice of the Spirit within the text. For only the grace revealed within the ministry of the new covenant of the Spirit produces ever-increasing conformity to Christ-like character. And that is our priority. That is our sole purpose for getting up and breathing and functioning throughout the day. And that is to be in service to Christ, to grow to love Christ, to become more like him, and then to love others around us as well. Well, let's pause here, and the next time we will consider again how we can become better aware of Satan and his schemes, and thus avoid the destruction these schemes wreak on unsuspecting believers. Let me warn you, ignorance on this point is not an option. Now, it may be an option for some of you, but it is an option for which the Lord will hold you accountable. So I beg you, therefore, don't remain ignorant of Satan's schemes, especially this one. So I hope you come back to our next lesson and we'll continue to examine 2 Corinthians and during the process we will come back to uh, name more specifically some of Satan's other schemes by which he subverts the ministry of the Spirit in the church. Well, may the Lord grant you his grace, his wisdom, and his presence in all you think, say, and do. Amen.